Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the stream. Welcome to the podcast. This is the state of streaming series within the Becoming a Streamer podcast that we do here by Pipeline. In this series, we kind of sit down, look at some of the events that are going on in the industry, keep you guys updated, as well as it's an opportunity for us to share uh, some of our thoughts and what it means for creators in the space as a whole. We actually are recording these live as well, which is super exciting. So those of you guys who are tuning in on Twitch, Facebook, wherever, live right now, big shouts. Hopefully we can uh, be able to read everything in the comments in the chat today um, and even do a little bit more with it. My name is Stomat64, full-time streamer, co-founder of Pipeline. Today, I'm joined by Mark, who recently joined us at Pipeline as head of content. Mark, stoked to have you on with me today. Really excited to be here, and uh, my streamer follower of about five is going to increase from today. I feel like it. He also prepared some really, really cool, uh, like, Anchorman-type snippets to help interest some of the content, uh, so we're a little bit more prepared and cohesive on some of the events that we're going to be talking about. So hopefully that makes it a little easier to, again, bring some of your guys' comments in and do some of the discussion we've done. This is, I believe, our fourth episode now, and we're always working on uh, some more improvement with it. So, yeah, it's been really exciting to see this, as well as exciting to see the feedback so far. Of course, we do the uh, Becoming a Streamer podcast, interviewing streamers as well every single Monday, so you can stay tuned for that. This is also going out into that. You can find it on uh, YouTube, pod, uh, YouTube, Spotify, all the platforms that you need to. But, uh, yeah, we had a lot of news, as always, in the last two weeks. Some big hot topics in terms of specifically the streaming industry. Obviously, there's some greater topics going on in the world in general, too, uh, these days. But biggest thing, and what I kind of shared out even talking about this, was should streamers pay devs to stream their games? This has been like a, an overall encompassing topic that's been around since I first started creating content in 2011 that uh, kind of resurfaced a little bit in this last week. PUBG Mobile got banned in India, which could have greater implications across the world for games specifically within kind of that category. I'm not sure how effective it's going to be on North America and some of the, you know, regions here, but maybe it's an indicator for things going to the future. Uh, China also revised some laws to ban internet addiction for children by making sure that streaming as well as gaming platforms and gaming general has limits to it, which also could have a greater expansion over the years. I mean, maybe this is a bigger trend overall. I don't know. We'll talk about some of that. Fan-controlled football is also coming to Twitch. I recently actually started getting into some more football myself this year, and uh, Twitch actually signed an exclusive deal for something where it's fan-controlled, which is a really interesting topic. We'll get into that. Pokimane also made a really interesting introduction to her stream where she made it so donations are now capped. Rather than a limit, which is what's more typically seen, she actually put a cap on the donations, which is really interesting and uh, something that I don't think we've really seen before, at least not that I've seen. Uh, she worked with uh, some companies to make sure that got done. So that was a, a very interesting topic. And then there's, uh, there's also uh, an imposter within Among Us, that being Elon Musk. Fake streams are going on. Uh, with phony Bitcoin scams. We've seen some of this even on Twitter and some other platforms over the year. Uh, so it, it continues and it's getting even deeper into streaming. And that's not the only scams and things that have been going on within the space. So uh, there's been a lot going on. Like, you want to just hop into it today? Yeah, let's get into it. 
Should streamers pay devs when they stream their games? On October 22nd, Stadia Creative lead Alex Hutchinson posted his opinion. This sparked a major debate regarding the legality of streaming video games and if streamers should pay royalties. Most disagreed with Alex, but some found merit in his proposal that a percentage of stream content earnings be automatically dispersed to developers, citing similar cases in the music industry. Many games rely on streaming for much of their marketing, with titles such as Among Us and Fall Guys having grown because of content creators. However, the legalities are where it gets tricky. Gamers technically don't own games nowadays. What they instead purchase are the licenses to play their chosen games. This means that developers can mark streaming as outside of fair use if they wanted to. Game industry representative ODB said, quote, give me your money, end quote. So should developers get a cut from paid rights or streaming revenue? Yeah, this is, uh, this is really interesting. I mean, to me, and I think most people that are probably watching this even and, you know, in this space, especially if you are streaming, the last thing you want to do is pay a, cre or pay a game in order to have sh rights to stream it in the first place, right? Like, uh, that's just it, it, additional money to spend on top of it. When I first it, started, right, go ahead. No, it's kind of ridiculous. I mean, you think about it. These giant behemoth companies making billions of dollars are going to come down and say, give me my 15 cents for playing my game online. It's not going to happen. I, I really do think that like, if there was a financial incentive of people uh, really making money more than, let's say, 1% of their bottom line, I think that they would actually enforce it. But the fact is, is that it is such... It's it's such pennies and same thing with the mu music industry. I think Spotify is a really interesting uh, model where you kind of have like this big bucket. Uh, but ultimately, I don't think it's ever going to move in that direction unless it really can be a big moneymaker for devs. But in my opinion, I really think it's just a marketing um, a marketing tool that shouldn't be monetized because, um, yeah, I don't think it should be monetized. Yeah, I mean, even to mention it, I think maybe this is something that's maybe it's just more extreme trying to get some more attention around all of it in the first place. But what's in to me, it's like it seems like it's really more in the opposite. Like games are really trying to get people to play or game creators, I guess, are really trying to get streamers to play their game. Right. I mean, how many people you mean guys watching only found out about a game that you started checking out after that just because you know, you saw somebody streaming it or playing it. I think Among Us is a great example of that, even in the first place. And I think even looking at like Fortnite having a creator code or Call of Duty having a creator code, like they're finding more ways to try and pay the creators to get more people to play their games in the first place rather than the other way around. And so it's like if you already have a game, maybe if it's like already a top tier game, then they can do it. But I think it's way too late to do this as well. It's like it's something that maybe if at the very you know, precipice of all of this, they started to do it. It could have made a little bit more sense. They lose a ton of exposure, a hundred percent. Like I feel like the exposure is worth so much more than a lot of it. But when I first started doing this, for example, like I, one of the things on YouTube was I couldn't even make ad revenue off of it because technically, though, it is true, right? Like the game that they created is, it's their work. It, we are making revenue off of their work in the community and the, the game and everything alongside of that so but 
that was one of the reasons that you couldn't make ad revenue off it at first is because YouTube had a, a, a you basically needed to have a network to take the legality of, you know, you're playing somebody else's game. The good news is actually a lot of game devs actually include in their terms of service now or in the game creators that say like, hey, you can stream this game, you can play this game um, and you have a license to do that. I don't know if every single one does, but that was something that developed over the f over a few years, and then it became more okay for it in general uh, to kind of be implemented. I don't think using the streaming service is a good comparison because if I listen to a song, uh, at best, maybe I'll spend 99 cents on that song on iTunes. But for the most part, you're going to stream it on Spotify and you gain, you know, 0.001% or uh, cents uh, per stream. So it's not really financially worth it. And it's not an accurate comparison because if you're playing Among Us and John Almond is saying that, you know, he played Among Us because of you, um, then he's th then going to spend $5 on a game. And so it, it really is not a fair comparison by saying that it's like Spotify or the music industry. Yeah, I, I would. But what do you think about in terms of like a single player game or a campaign game mm -hmm. where maybe somebody plays through it and now the person never buys it because eh, I already saw the story. Like, do you think there's a different avenue for those types of games at all? Absolutely, because I think there should be some kind of exclusivity for just that. Because if I see a walkthrough of a story-based game, then I'm less inclined to actually watch it or uh, buy it. Because a lot of these games are so cinematic; they are like movies, and I can enjoy I can enjoy it almost as much as watching someone else stream it than playing it. So I think that that would be if I'm a game developer, I would make that amendment to those specific types of games. Yeah, it's like why why would streamers pay? When they already are promoting your game, yeah. I think the interest, the most interesting example we have of this that's already out, I haven't seen it mentioned in the chat here. Maybe I missed it, but uh, was with Nintendo. Nintendo actually has it set so you can't make, I don't know the exact specifics of it, but they basically have to approve you as a partner and they keep a percentage of the revenue that you make from the games that are you are streaming from their games. It's a it's an interesting exception, and it was something that in the past wasn't around, but I can't remember exactly, but it must have been like three or four years ago. Uh, now they had implemented something, and all of these people that had you know channels and complete dedication to it, it was taken away, and now they no longer could do that, or they had to go through them, and then they lost a percentage of what it was. But you know, it, it's really up to the creator or the platform and how they want to do it. For the most part, I think it's such a symbiotic relationship. It's such a benefit for both of the, uh, you know, the creators as well as the game it, that it's, it, it's really a no brainer to, I, 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 I think it is, it doesn't make sense to pay for, to pay for it. Um, but with that, Oh, you know, Nintendo, how not to do it. <laughs> I mean, they're they're still doing pretty good. I think they got their own merits, but uh, I don't just know in that many... specific program with um, limiting people being able to stream their games unless they went through that partner program. I think that specifically. Yeah. Nintendo though, love and Smash Brothers to this day. My favorite. see, that, that's the thing is like they've got such good like content in the first place they can get away with it to an extent. But I'm not sure how many how many others could, and I don't think it's going to be a bigger trend. No. Um, let's hit the next topic. Following concerns over data privacy and rising tensions between China and India, PUBG Mobile has been banned in India. 
players will no longer be able to access Indian servers for the game or download it. This follows the ban on TikTok by the Indian government, another app that was produced by a Chinese company. While PUBG was originally a Korean IP, Tencent developed and published the mobile version. Tencent is a global gaming powerhouse that has a stake in major companies like Riot and Blizzard. Their products getting blacklisted could lead to the same case for the sub-brands. PUBG Mobile is the backbone of the streaming and esports scene in India, which has grown tremendously over the last few years. This is seen as a major setback for the local space. Local gamer Kurt said this means, quote, big trouble in little China, end quote. So TikTok is in the process of being banned in the U.S. for the same reason. With other games also being invested in by Tencent, how could bans on League, Blizzard games and the like change the streaming landscape? Yeah, this is uh, this is really this is really pretty big. I know, you know, this is not something maybe so relevant for North America right now. Um, I mean, I guess it is to an extent with some of the stuff that had been going on with TikTok and that whole mess. But it's basically, you know, your security, your privacy, these things are a concern and the control that, uh, you know, they have. So this is something that was just completely PUBG Mobile. Literally, I, maybe you don't even realize it, but it is one of the biggest games in the entire world was banned in india one of the biggest countries in the entire world like this is this is this is huge i mean do you think this is going to spread to other uh to, to some of the other games and how tencent's involved in some of this i think so specifically with mobile because especially in a lot of other countries mobile is the main way that people play uh in addition to that uh specifically with tiktok um there is data collection that's the main kind of concern so they didn't ban PUBG on pc which means that that same data collection is not being done at the same level that it is on mobile so i do think it is a a problem that we've started to kind of see um, be addressed in the U.S. and now India, as you said, it's it's over a billion people. Um, so I do think that it is kind of potentially a, a catastrophic thing to the gaming industry. Um, but I don't think, you know, I, I think before we start seeing every game being shut down, I think that we're going to have more amendments and um, security measures on these games to make sure that if I'm downloading a game, that all of my data is not uh, going out the door. Yeah, and the fact that this is from Tencent, and I don't know if you guys are super familiar, Tencent is a, a massive company that owns a massive amount of games, or at least has stake in many of the games. Um, even major companies like Blizzard, Riot. To your point, maybe it's only limited to mobile, but my bigger concern is like, does this go out to other? Does this go out to PC? Is this just, just the first domino that's falling? that can take out more companies and more complete wide bands of games because of this issue. And I feel like the security and uh, like th this has to get some type of control under it. I don't know if it's going to be a, as big of an issue in the States though. I, I could be wrong. I'm going to go out on a limb right here um, with mobile. I don't think there's as much of a community that's really going through the, the notes of uh, release agreements and, you know, I agree to give over my life. But with PC, I think when there's um, updates, usually there are people who are going through and like reading line by line and saying like, yeah, this isn't going to fly. Um, so I really do think um, it is a mobile thing. But to your point with Tencent, 
Tencent owns um, not a majority stake in Blizzard, but I think it's like 23% through Vivendi. Uh, but Riot is pretty much mostly all Tencent, and, and most um, most of the popular games are um, owned by Tencent. So I do think, um, yeah, it is something that we're going to hear more of in the future, near future. Uh, I think so as well, and that, that's what I'm kind of worried about. <laughs> Especially with how, how big Tencent is and how many games are involved with it, and does this become a bigger issue? I'm a little, I'm, I'm feeling a little confident in North America, but you know, I know that it, mobile is just so massive across the world, and Tencent is too. I just don't want to see gaming taken away uh, from more, which actually leads really well into our next topic with uh, revising laws and internet addiction. China recently started to require gaming and digital media platforms to have anti-addiction measures like consumption and time limits. Once the usage limit is hit, children will no longer be able to access different media websites on their devices. They can easily achieve this through China's comprehensive ID system. This resembles what South Korea has been doing for a long time, in which it limits the time and engagement students can have with online video games. In Korea, children under the age of 16 may not play between 12 midnight and 6 p.m. A large part of the Chinese streaming scene are youth. Having a daily set watch time makes their time all more valuable and hard to secure. Chinese local Mark Corrigan was outraged, saying that the Beastie Boys fought and possibly died for my right to play Fall Guys at 2 a.m. on a school night. So, more countries are resorting to limiting the amount of time their youth can spend on digital media. With streaming being a part of this, how do you think this could affect the streaming space? I mean, less, less time available to watch or play, like, that just completely limits viewership as well as somebody wanting to get involved in this space in the first place right yeah i mean you think about it and it's you only have so many hours in the day and if you've seen the the movie social dilemma they talk about how um right now you almost have three devices going on you have your pc you have your mobile um and i don't know whatever else that you have going on and so essentially you can create content for three times the amount of stuff for one person so they're already trying to squeeze it out as much as you can but if you're limiting it to a window, you are drastically decreasing the amount of content that can be consumed, uh, games that can be played, which means that most likely the value uh, of CPM for ads or engagement is going to be so much higher. So I do think um, it, yeah, it, it, it's going to limit the amount of uh, consumption for viewership, for engagement. That's a really good point. I didn't think of that. But if you are consuming less than obviously the supplies you get like that's just going to increase the prices and somebody who's already getting content watched uh you know to elevate that much more to me almost it, it, it kind of i would think that it kind of brings the people that are already doing really well like people who already have a subscription to something people who are already watching whatever there might be less opportunity for somebody to go explore and try and find other new pieces of content versus what you know, they know is they're going to be used to every day in the first place. It's really interesting. But I think, too, like the fact that this is more targeted for children, obviously, you know, specifically in this region for now. Uh, first of all, like children are some of the biggest consumers of content in general just because they have way more time typically in terms of, you know, that's why we see YouTube, some of the YouTube channels and kids channels do so incredibly well. Some of these different like <laughs> 
I don't know if that helps. I don't know if that hinders rather uh, everything. I, I, personally, I think this just really hinders everything more so than it helps because, uh, or at least you know specifically for streaming and content and um, the space, just because it, you know, you're just gonna have total less consumption, right? I mean. Uh- I also just think on the personal level of like growing up and at that age, I was like Diablo and wow, like if I didn't have those until two or 3 a.m., like I don't know how I could survive, but it also get more sleep. But um, I mean, that's it's just awful. I, I can't imagine growing up and having it just turn off at 12. But I do think with kids and development, it's the same reason why you have um, a limit for smoking or for um, drinking, because your brains are not fully developed. It's not until you're 25 that I think it's your frontal cortex that like um, fully develops. So you're not able to make as clear decisions on things. So if you kind of at least put somewhat of a border on it, I think it is kind of important. But I mean, you think about VPNs or you think about ways to kind of like bypass it. But uh, it seems like uh, in China in particular, they're pretty stringent with, um, you know, having an ID. Um, Do you know how that works? Of like, I have an ID, which is uh, linked to my all my accounts. No. Huawei or. um, Yeah. Anyways. Yeah. So, I I mean, the thing that I kind of look back at this, too, is just like I, I feel like I've talked with so many people who play games now and maybe you know i think a lot of the streamers and people that i talk with every day are obviously pretty hardcore gamers and do a lot of it in general but anybody who's been limited or um you know held back from something that they wanted to do or that something that they are kind of passionate about to a degree it's also like once you are old enough things can swing pretty hard overboard on whatever uh that limitation was as well so that's kind of more my fear and i hope that there's like at least some education going on in terms of because i think you are right like you do need to have some type of you know it is hard to control yourself especially if you're a kid you don't know exactly what's going on uh you know abrar says i think limiting digital media for kids is good yeah i it's it's true like you know they, you're not going to be able to completely regulate yourself especially if a parent isn't supervising it and figuring out you know are you still getting whatever else you need to done and is this going overboard limiting it from new or midnight to 6 a.m like okay maybe that makes some sense but uh you know i I just hope that there's some more going on with with some of that as well i'm gonna play uh a a bad side of this though i i have an addictive personality and i need to go through a game like incessantly until it's done but once it's done i can move on so if anything this is bad because you need to get that out of your system for certain games but other games you need a limit so maybe maybe we could limit certain games but then others not what That's games just, would you limit what games would you it's too hard to like specify what that would be i mean for me if i was limited for example even when i was growing up like i i had world of warcraft pretty much non-stop in my veins going um but I still got what I needed to done. Most of that was kind of my parents kind of keeping me regulated in terms of what I could play or what I couldn't, not so much the government telling me, you know, you can't play during these hours or these times or whatever it is. Um, so that's why I think, too, like it might be a bit more hard-pressed to see it happen in North America. It might be something that would be a lot harder to to happen. But South Korea, or Korea China, these are absolutely massive uh, places, and they're massive in gaming as well. Even if it's not something that we see every day per se, like 
these can have much bigger implications on the entire industry as a whole as well in terms of not only being able to play, but then it's like, okay, well, are you going to play or are you going to watch something or are you going to like, it, it adds a whole bunch of layers as well as people who are going to try and figure out ways around whatever it is too. Although I don't know how that is in China per se, if you wanted to do something like that as well. I think, you know, they have it for like Apple and other uh, phones as well. Having essentially a parental um, uh, and maybe mm. you can make it de a default. So for PCs or uh, mobile, whatever it is, that the default is um, if you have a user that is under 18, it does it that way. But on a government level, I see what you mean. Like you want to have that yeah. freedom to be able to I love my freedom as an American. Sure. Uh, but I don't have freedom when I'm under my parents' house. So I think that it should be on a parental level, not a government level. Awesome. And with that, let's roll over to the uh, next topic. In February, a new football league is launching with a twist. Viewers will be able to interact with the games directly through Twitch. In the fan-controlled football league, fans will be able to call plays in real time and influence team selection and branding over the event's six-week duration. The more fan engages with the league, the more impact their choices will have. The league will be entirely exclusive to Twitch, having signed a multi-year exclusivity deal. Matches will be played in one facility only. Unlike other football leagues, FCF will utilize a faster 7v7 format and a smaller 35 by 50 yard field to make things seem more game-like. When asked what he thought about the new league, John said he was maddened. So, this is a great example of the interactivity the streaming space can bring to sports and events. In what ways do you see this becoming more prevalent in the future? Yeah, I think uh, interaction in streaming is one of the, I mean, I think that's one of my favorite things about it. That's why I'm, you know, I like that we have these kind of even video intros going, so I'm able to read a little bit more of the chat here, right? Uh and being able to interact and actually control the play of the game, I think some of that might have been cut off at the beginning there, but in February, it's, it's a new football league that's being introduced uh, on Twitch, right? And player plays are going to be controlled by Twitch chat. <laughs> Did you ever see um, uh, Pokemon, uh, Twitch plays Pokemon? No. Uh, it, it was one of the things that absolutely exploded it quite a few years back now, but... It was basically a, a Twitch account that was streaming Pokemon, like a Game Boy version of Pokemon, and every single command was determined by the Twitch chat. And so wow. it was just being flooded with messages of up, down, right, A, B. <laughs> and it, I don't remember exactly how long it took, maybe a week or two um, or longer of just 24-7, thousands and thousands of commands coming in from Twitch chat to try and direct where it's actually going now this is kind of like uh bringing it this this is a really interesting interaction and i think this is something that twitch has realized and, and does a really good job of in the first place is bringing that interaction in and you know keeping it real time they have a very low delay latency uh it that's what it's based around but to actually be able to choose like okay this is you're going for a running play you're going for a passing play you're going for the extra two points like this to me, just on surface level, looks more like a mistake because, especially when it interacts with real people and things like, I uh, trust me from my own chat or any chat that I've seen, they don't always make the best decision to, uh, you know, see something to see an outcome. They do it for, I guess, the sake of content, which actually maybe that's a good thing. 
Okay, well, that's a great idea if you're... Um, I, I think this is going to be a massive hit initially, but then the trolls will take over. Because think about this. Like, especially with a high-contact sport, like, what are you going to do? You're going to make the worst, most brutal plays ever. Let's, like, snap the guy's, like, neck in half. It's, like, it's awful. Like, that's what's going to happen. And so, like, these poor, poor, like, lab mice are going to go in for the first season. And it's going to be, like, the meta is going to be figured out immediately. And they're going to just, like, go for the jugular every time. But if they do start, like, implementing some rules for, like, health and safety, I think it's really, really good. As long as no one dies. <laughs> Hopefully it doesn't go that far. Wade says uh, making someone kick a 70-yard field goal. Yeah, just like right right off the start of the game, immediately go for field goal. Don't even, you know, like, but, and the, th the same thing too is like how do you control from the other perspective? Is this going to be something where, like, are, are they going to have any stake in either of the teams? Is this going to be the most, like, well, typically you have like you two sides. Like you sign up for, you know, team blue, team uh, red, right? It may, uh, hopefully, because otherwise you just, well, it's even still, it's okay, I'm just going to make another count on the other team. <laughs> I'm just going for the worst plays ever, and we're, gonna, we're just going to take this and see how bad it can get. I think, I think you might be right that, it, that it's going to be good, but I think in the long term, this is still something that's going to be really interesting to people. And maybe it's not specifically this league, but I think it is this concept of being able to control it. Like, I can't, Twitch Plays Pokemon was one of the biggest things that, Twitch had ever seen when it was first introduced. And I think they're trying to recapture some of that. And I think it is something that is recapturable. Like, I think it is something that can be redone because it is so cool to have engagement, to have some impact. And there's even games that are being made that do have more impact that you can then have the chat interact with. Or, you know, even like there's a simple marble game where people can have their names show up and that's the marble that's going around on the track. I think it's a creative idea. I'm definitely going to check it out. Uh, yeah, Hail Mary every play, exactly. I, I think I'm going to check it out, but I want to see uh, you know, how much of an impact you actually have. And I think, too, like one of the ways that you're making it more in integrated into a game is kind of fun because then you do have more significant impact, even if it is like a smaller stream versus if there's a lot of people watching it um, and you're not necessarily... Maybe like it's a voting on what is the play rather than like... You know, even even looking at like uh, Twitch plays Pokemon again, like every single command that came through was like part part of. It's not like you were voting for like, oh, let's go to this gym battle next. It was I'm pushing A, and if that's selected on a potion I don't need to use, that A is going to happen, and I did it as the person in chat. Uh, you know, like that's a very rewarding feeling in the first place. Or if you sabotage or you close the game or restart the game, like that's on you uh as the person who pushed the button so it'll be really interesting to see what, what the response is because I, I haven't seen this big of a an event going down where it's actually like people involved in it as well this seems like the like uh a black mirror episode like saying this is happening i'm like i don't believe you this is not really happening so like i'm really excited i'm gonna watch the heck out of this but i see a couple steps ahead and i see it's like an aware truman show or like Sims mm. in real life. Like I'm so excited for the reality oh, television show where you get to like tell people what to do. I'm so excited for that. Wow. Yeah, no, you're right. That can go that that would be very interesting. Um and let's throw let's throw it over to the next topic.
Pokemon, one of the world's largest streamers, recently worked with Streamlabs to set her donation cap at $5. Pokey says this is because she's at a point where anything more than $5 is unnecessary, and instead instructs her fans to quote, support growing channels, charities, and treat yourself. So, do you think other streamers will follow suit? Uh, personally, I don't think so. I think it's a very interesting idea, and I think somebody at her level, uh, you know, Pokey has 6 million followers on Twitch, 6 million on YouTube, 5 million on Instagram. Like, you know, she's doing great. And on top of that, if I'm not mistaken, I believe she's exclusively signed with Twitch and probably has, you know, an awesome deal with that going as well. Uh, I don't see this something that's really greater impacted. I think it's a really cool way to, you know, get her name mentioned by a whole bunch of stuff as well, just because, hey, this is a cool, unique, different thing. I think that's something that helps her stand out in the first place. I think any streamer helps you stand out. What are you doing that's different from where everybody else is going? I think this is a cool play that she can make that's going to be really cool. In general, I think it's going to have some great sentiment around her community. And I think overall, like, I, I would imagine it's a, it, it's a win. It kind of reminds me, though, you know, in terms of is it going to be – Brought over the reason I don't think it's going to be brought to too many other people is just because th I think there's other approaches that you can take. One of the ones that I personally thought was absolutely amazing was, for example, Pestily. We recently actually had him on the Becoming a Streamer podcast. You definitely check that episode out, sat down with him. But he started out a year and said, All of my donations um, or tips or whatever you want to call them that are coming through, all of them were changing the link and all of them are going to charity. And so you know, he and he set out with a goal of raising a million dollars for it over the entire year. And that was just what was happening in the year. He ended up doing it in about eight months. And it was like it, it was it's such an incredible uh, good. And it's a cool way to. You know, change it. And I think one of the concerns is that, you know, some people can donate, maybe donate five hundred dollars or a thousand dollars. Right. Um, but then some people can't afford that. And so if it's just the cap is at $5, I mean, is that kind of what she was going for with it? I think, you know, I think it's a multi multi-tiered thing. First off, I think it's great PR. It's really, really smart. But second, you know, let's say if I am uh, a viewer and, you know, I don't have that much money uh, and then I see all these people donating $100 at a time or whatever, then I'm almost disincentivized. Uh, I'm not incentivized to uh, donate because it's like, what is my $5? And so um, I, I do think it is democratizing, I guess, and, and making people feel better when they do donate and making it feel like it is important. Yeah. But um, I do think, you know, we I think we talked about this offline that – there's like this, I, I think the same money is probably going to go through still. There's just going to be like a machine gun mm -hmm. rapid fire of $5. Um, so I, I think to your point um, about, oh, shoot, what was, what was the other guy's name? Justily? Pestily. 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 Yeah. Uh, by him just saying like all donations are going to a charity. I just think that that is much more of like the crazy bull move. Uh, but again, to your point, I don't think this is going to be something that all streamers are going to adopt because, as you said, like if you really are, you know, at the top and doing really well, uh, I think that is such a wonderful gesture to be able to, one, uh, make the people who are donating five dollars feel better and feel more included, and then two, really encourage people who do have extra money, like use your money, you know, not necessarily just for entertainment, but give to charities, like contribute to your community, yeah. and I really do think that is a good message to give.
Yeah, and I think, you know, her message alongside of it, too, was, you know, donate to some other streamers, donate to smaller communities. Like, uh, that was that was kind of her message alongside it. And I, I think that's a very, uh, very cool thing to do. And, um, you know, I, I hope that it does come across to her audience. And I think, you know, she's speaking directly to her audience with that. So I would assume they would understand and, and that would be part of it. Obviously, they still have things like gifted supports. They still have things like bits, which... To my knowledge, she can't regulate, and so people could still, you know, donate a thousand uh, supporters or subscribers on Twitch, right? Um, that could be a thing, but I, I think if that's her message to her audience, is like instead of doing those big things for me, instead, you know, first of all, you can't do it if you want to do it through um, the tipping service, but also go go support other communities. I think that's awesome. Uh, ben Spicer also asked in the chat says, "Can I ask why you have a minimum?" So. Typically, you see more of a minimum set on places, uh, if anything, that's you know slightly more standard. And that's really just personally, I use it just because if I set it, for example, like 10 cents was the minimum, um, then it would just be for one dollar, you can send 10 messages and you can then for two dollars, you can block up a five minutes of my stream with nonstop voiceover text to speech happening. So it's kind of uh, a limitation on it. And that's what I think. You know, Mark is talking about here is like by decre by decreasing the cap by introducing or by introducing this cap. This could be something where it's just a whole bunch of five dollar donations comes through, especially because she just has so many people watching constantly. Um, that's where it's going to be really. I, I mean, it'd be really interesting to see what the effect of it is. But again, because I think she's actually talking to it, I'm I'm assuming her community will understand that and not do go too crazy with it. And with that, let's go over to our last topic. Over the past few weeks, Twitch has been swarmed with fake streams of Elon Musk supposedly giving away cryptocurrency. The channels featured a generic image of Elon talking, alongside scam offerings for Bitcoin and Ethereum. Some of the streams went viral, hitting over 40,000 concurrent viewers. Whenever they would get banned, they would come back with another. This is the latest in a series of scam Twitch streams, including big names like Shroud, South Park creators Matt Stone and Trey Parker are now demanding sassy justice. So, what can platforms do in order to prevent scenarios like these, or at the very least, make it harder to be fooled? Uh, yeah, that 40, I mean, so many people falling for this, but it's not even on that. I mean, I mean, as I mentioned, this was something that happened on Twitter within the last year. You get a name like Elon Musk in it, and uh maybe make it convincing enough though people are falling for it unfortunately i think it's I just think, something yeah good i the, the thing is too is this also has been happening not even just scams on that front but uh there's been a whole bunch of stuff that i've seen on facebook as well where people are creating all these fake accounts imposters among us there are for sure uh, but people making pages like stone mountain with uh a zero instead of a no or whatever and trying to get people to say hey you won something and getting information and whatnot and it's something that's been extremely prevalent there um i've also seen uh streams of course to you know to your point in that was um uh shroud having a fake stream up we've seen that as well with uh, also on facebook of like people having a fake stream up even just to think that it was him streaming just for the sake of trying to get stars from people or whatever it was like tips or bits or whatever right it it's crazy though that there would be that many people watching something like it and i i wonder like how many people were watching it ironically versus like you know genuinely 
of, of, you know, really interacting. And I do think, you know, I get phone calls, I think five or eight a day of spam calls of my insurance. You got to do something about your phone number, man. Well, yeah. Uh, and then emails as well. Like, uh, I, I get emails all the time of like links and they're very convincing. And so then we're going in the stream as well. It's like, um, people are really, really good at making people, um, think that they're, you know, doing something, but it's just, it's funneling them. It's fishing. And so I think that we, weirdly enough, it's not fun, but we almost need to be more skeptical in like everything. Like if I watch your stream, I'm like, yeah. "Are you really Stone? I'm not sure this is really Stone. Stone, blink twice if you're watching. Blink twice. Sugar well, they socks. have, they they have to like okay, even if it is people that are watching for the sake of, you know, this is a meme. Like this is this is ridiculous. Obviously, this is fake. I'm not falling for it. Some people might come in and find legitimacy in that that there are forty thousand people watching. And on top of that, that's just a complete waste of everybody's time in terms of, you know, what about having 40,000 people watching other sh- – like surf- surfacing content that should be getting that type of viewership. You know what I mean? Like helping to surface the content. to if you're If you're getting that many people on board with something now – I think part of that probably would have been just something going viral and it going on Twitter or a different platform or Reddit or whatever it might be. Um, but hopefully it's something that, I mean, they learn from that and they keep on taking these things down faster so that it doesn't escalate further and people can, you know, see what see more, see better things than a scam stream. You know what I mean? I think, you know, uh, we've heard of this with Facebook about saying the magnitude, the scale that they're dealing with um just you know phishing scams or whatever it is 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 monumental it's it's through bots automatically so you can't do you know um mm-hmm. personally uh moderate everything you know we do have some great moderation with bird so thank you bird but once you get to a certain threshold that maybe twitch could have like a trigger of like hey we're gonna have a person review this to make sure like if you get over a thousand views then a twitch moderator is gonna look at that one and then two just kind of upping the keywords um you know, if, if it says Bitcoins, that's going to be a hot topic thing that it's going to get personally reviewed. So I think with those two measures, one, having a threshold of minimum viewership in which then a person actually moderates it um, or mm-hmm. views it personally. And then two, having certain keywords that may even lower the threshold like Bitcoin or win giveaway. Someone in chat says, I'm pretty sure I played a game with Stone Mountain 69. That wasn't you? Uh, yeah, <laughs> that, was, that one wasn't me, believe it or not. Um, do you think though that like it was something where you know they they not only were running the scam but were also botting it in order to get the views up on it and then you know oh, yeah. try and make make the most as they could off it? Yeah, I mean if if you're smart or dumb enough to to do that, um, I'm, I'm sure they probably got away with it too. Uh, if it wasn't for those pesky kids, but um, yeah, they they probably did the uh, view bot as well, which then bumped them up high enough. To then almost have that validation of like, oh, this is real. Like a thousand people are watching. This really must be Elon. So I think that's actually, that's really smart. Wow. Thank you for giving me that step. Yeah. You know, I got, jeez, dude. That's, (laughs) it's so crazy. But I I mean, to your point, like hopefully they have some type of implementation for this to, uh, you know, help prevent it. And I I think we are seeing more things. Like I know I've seen over the last year, at least. 
I saw a lot of these fake streams popping up, which are just re-recordings of Shroud or Choco Taco's stream playing PUBG. Uh, and I don't even see those anymore. I, I think a big part of that, at least on Facebook, is the algorithm um, helping to surface it and realizing what is bots and what aren't. Uh, I know Twitch has taken a ton of steps on that front as well. And I think the more they can just help get that under control, the better, because as this industry keeps on getting bigger, you want, I think we want to keep as many scams and as many, you know, we want to keep the trust of the community as much as possible on every single platform um, for whatever that might be. And, and with that, guys, we are up on time. Thank you so much for joining in on the Becoming or the uh, State of Streaming podcast within the Becoming a Streamer podcast. We do new episodes of the Becoming a Streamer podcast every Monday where we interview uh, creators, full-time, part-time career creators, and hear more about how they got to where they're at. And it's such valuable insight. You can find those on YouTube as well as on uh, Spotify, iTunes, all your favorite platforms. If you give us a review as well, it's massively appreciated. Or even just share it with a friend who might be interested in streaming or getting started up with it as well. Of course, we've got the state of streaming happening live. Would love for you guys to join in with us on these happening every other week uh, across all the different platforms. Thank you guys so much for joining in and listening with us. And Mark, thanks so much for joining in. Again, this is our head of content at Pipeline, new joining us here. And uh, it's been a pleasure to have you coming on board with the company as well as, you know, coming in on, uh, on an episode for this. It's been awesome, man. Thank you for having me. Uh, and also let us know what you guys thought about the uh, hot, you know, the, the little clips at the beginning. We'll work on, you know, the flow of getting those done. But I personally thought it was great to have that and then get into some more of the discussion. So uh, we're always working on improvements Four episodes and piloting this out. I think it's been going phenomenal. Uh, keeping up with all the events and everything here on the State of Streaming Podcast. Thanks so much for joining, though. Listening in. That's it for this one. Uh, thanks. Happy streaming, everybody.